Hello, 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 listener, and welcome to Area de Rigori, brought to you by BreakingTheLines.com, your weekly dosage of Serie A, from all things top to bottom, north to south, everything going on in Calcio. I am your host, Danish Iqbal. Pleasure to, jo- to be joined today by Miguel. AJ, what's going on, man? Hey, man, how's it going? Appreciate you for having me today. Of course, of course. It's good to get you on. Where are you from? from Chicago, so Chicago, Illinois, and the United States. Lovely. Cool. And you're uh, a Milanisti, I'm guessing? Not I'm guessing, you told me. Yes, I am a Milanisti. Yes. Cool. Well, I mean, what a weekend of Calcio we had. Obviously, we'll dive straight into it with the game yesterday, Juve-Roma. This encapsulates the current state of Serie A right now. Bonkers and just lunatic fun. Did, did you watch it? Oh, yeah. Definitely watch this game. This was not the game to miss this weekend. Uh, definitely action-packed. A lot of surprises. Uh, but this, as you said, this is definitely how you can describe Syria. You know, a lot of people... I love it, man. A lot of people... Have, it, feels like, it feels like everybody in in the game was just on steroids or something. Or, or the whole league is, is, is batshit crazy. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, I... I I called this at the beginning. I, well, I made a tweet. I, I did. I don't. I'm not sure if I deleted it. Maybe someone can go back and, and look at it. But I called it the derby of the has-beens at the beginning. You know, because it's between Allegri and Mourinho, two managers who used to be absolutely wonderful and right at the top, and now they've sort of dialed it down and they're not as good. I wasn't actually expecting too much. I was expecting a dull encounter, but it was anything. But it was just. A firecracker of a game. I, I I called it the game of the season, but there's been so many of these uh, this year in the league. We've been spoiled. Yeah, you know the league has been quite entertaining. I think it's been very entertaining for the past three seasons. Uh, like you said, this this is one of the thrillers. You know, you had seven goals in this game. Who would imagine? Like that doesn't even have it happen in the Premier League, no. which a lot of people think is the best league in the world, but it's not. It's more like, a, like technically speaking, like everybody has a lot of riches there. So like even the bottom team has uh, money to play with. So perhaps the players or the style of play is 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 high octane, but in a more nuanced way. You know what I mean? Whereas Calcio is like that yeah. sort of chaotic league that I don't know when it became so chaotic. Uh, and the trick is for me to, every week to find new ways of describing how crazy it is because I'm running out of express, expressives. But um, it, there's more of a anything can happen sort of feel. You know what I mean? There's more of a, a yeah. dramatic, operatic feel with twists and turns uh, to this. And in the meanwhile, the characters involved are like from some old type of movie or TV show that you love. We had Allegri, we had Mourinho here. Allegri was in the stands for this game, by the way. Yep, yep. Uh, he was he was suspended, so he was up there watching it. Roma take the lead. Tammy, 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 who's got eight goals now, which is uh, the same amount as Chelsea's attack combined. Lukaku Havertz and Moana this year, he's got eight. Starts well for Roma with, uh, and uh, scores from a corner. Juve then go and equalize. La Joya, as they call him, the jewel. Paolo Diabala, great assist from Chiesa from the left, by the way. Diabala, if he stays fit, Juve, I, I, I don't think. Sorry, I, I don't want to say the league is in trouble, but Juve are, are on for a good season. I, I don't know why he just hasn't managed to step in, but Dybala is so crucial to them. It's it's unbelievable. The, this finish encapsulated as, as well. From then onward, Roma uh, take the lead again through Mkhitaryan and Pellegrini in the second half. Then, after that comes 
seven minutes of rampunctuous madness for Juve. I think the key change here, and I think everybody's quite blatantly seen it, when Morata came on and he said, okay, I'm going to push Locatelli ahead now, that changed everything for Juve. And within seven minutes, they were ahead. Madness. The first goal they got back, uh, remind me again, sorry, was it Kulisevsky? No, 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 my bad. It was Locatelli. Locatelli's header from Morata's cross. It was Locatelli, yes. Yes, it was. And here's another thing that I, I want to quickly mention. All the, um, sorry, two of the goals, so Kulisevsky's and Locatelli's goals, came from Carlos Vinia's side. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you notice that? Yes, I did notice that. Vinia was definitely a weak point in Roma. Uh, he was exploited against Milan. So they played right before. They played Juve yesterday. So Vinia has already been a liability. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, I have to give credit to Alvaro Morata, by the way. When he came on, uh, I think he gets a lot of stick, especially leading the line to Juve in the in the past few years as well. He's he seems like that player who's just gone to big clubs and it's never happened for him. But again, he gets sort of another shot at big clubs. You know what I mean? But in this game, he he certainly took the reins. Yeah. When they decided to switch uh, things, it wasn't Allegri. Obviously, it was assistant. Um, I'm not even sure they were you know, convinced that it was going to pan out as well. Morata was the one who turned Vigne inside out and then crossed the block of Kelly. Morata was the one, again, in the box when the cross came in from the uh, the equalizing Kulisevsky goal. So he was uh, he was really causing Roma, mm-hmm. Roma's defense a headache. But again, it wasn't... The, the, this comeback from Juve, as fun as it was, all they were doing, especially for the, the, the two goals after, was just pushing it forward a bit more. Is that what, what you are actually maybe capable of a bit more if Allegri uh, takes the leash off this team? I think it's possible. Um, we all know that Juventus does have some quality going forward. I mean, the team that they have, they have attacking-minded players. They're, they may not be the most creative players. They're not all game-changers, but they definitely have an attacking outset and an attacking mindset on that field. So maybe if Allegri does, you know, get back from his defensive wave, because we know he's a defensive coach. Uh, maybe this new Juventus could be a Juve who is more pressing up the field, more attacking, and this is the result of them pushing up higher up the pitch. They scored three goals in a in a matter of absurd amount of minutes. Yeah, I think it's it's a result of that. Also, just, just Roma losing their heads completely in, in 10 minutes. A lot of people are saying it's Mourinho's fault. I'm not really sure what he could have done in this. Are we putting this down to the players or just a few minutes of madness? What are we What are we putting this down to? I don't blame Mourinho for this because... No, me neither. If, if, if you look at it, Mourinho put his team into a beautiful position. You know, they score the first goal and, they, and then, you know, Hubei ties it up 1-1 and then they go ahead 3-1. At that point in the game, it's up to the players on the pitch to say, hey, it's the 70th minute. We need to hold out for 20 more minutes, and then we can win this game. You have to keep your calm. You have to keep your composure. Pellegrini, as a captain, has to lead his team and say, hey, okay, we conceded one. It's okay. We, we still have yeah. a goal lead. Let's, let's push up the pitch. You know, let's fight for every 50-50 ball, and let's win this game. And that's not what happened from Roma. They just completely fell apart. And you could see after every goal, it was just like, oh, man, what are we doing? And they just, it just got chaotic and they lost control. 
it's it's a mad it's a mad rush, but it, it's very very hard to blame anybody when um, something like this happens. Players do lose their heads, and then momentum takes takes control. Even you know, regardless of how good a team you are, which is why we why so many comebacks have happened in football, why so many mad comebacks have happened in football, and will continue to happen. But um, Roma still could have, I think, kept their heads a little better. Also, when you know, or um, for instance, when Locatelli's header goes in, you, you, somebody should have grabbed the team and gone, okay, five or ten minutes, we'll take the sting out of the game. Uh, we're a Mourinho managed team. We can, uh, we can buy fouls. We can slow the play down. Be a bit more controlled in tempo. Sort of lower the decibels of, of chaos down instead of dialing them up. And uh, I felt like Juve just grabbed the onus straight after that goal. Yeah, definitely. Going ahead, I, I think we, we spoke about Juve possibly being unleashed or needing to be unleashed. But it wasn't like, <laughs> we can't even say it was Allegri who was doing this because he was up in the stands. I don't expect Juve. And, and Allegri to actually do this though. I expect them next game to go back to okay, Nick go and then we will essentially park the bus. I agree. I mean, if you really if you really analyze it, you know, Juve have been a victim of this type of game before. You know, this has happened when they've played Milan where they've conceded about three goals in a span of twenty minutes. Um they they tend to was this this was was this last year or the year before when you when Milan beat them four two I think Ronaldo was still there right yeah this last year when they beat them four two and then after that we also beat them three zero at the J Stadium towards the end of the season in both of those instances Juve had control of the game in the beginning but then they lost control when the goal was scored and since they're quite a defensive team they didn't really push up the pitch they were more so okay, let's be patient with it. A goal will come our way when it comes our way. Nobody really took initiative to say, hey, I want to grab this game by the head. Even though they have Cristiano Ronaldo, who is, you know, effectively that game changer because he's a elite striker. But yeah, hopefully, you know, maybe something will change at Juve and they'll be more of an attacking dynamic team. Definitely. Um, I think he's constantly chopped and changed with the midfield this year. Now I think perhaps the Roma game could give him an inclination of what they actually could go ahead with, which was bringing Arthur on the more control and and with Kenny next to him, so you could sort of be that box to box player, and allowing like Locatelli to flourish where where we know he can, where you flourished for Italy in the summer, where we flourished for Sassuolo under De Zerbi last year, which was playing a bit more forward, playing forward vertical passes that that cause. Uh, problems, but when when he does pass Locatelli as well, these four passes, the ooze is a bit of confidence in them. Like they're, they're always so beautifully passed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The um, especially the one for Quadrado when he crossed it and uh, and Kulusevski scored. It was Locatelli making things happen. But in order for him to be able to do that, it was because of the changes. Um, having said that, Mourinho and Roma, where do they go from here? I'm not really sure. They're worse off than where they were last year. They've been, they've been the biggest spenders in the summer, and they're now uh, not a massive nine points off Atlanta. Yeah, you know, at this point, Roma have to make the decision 
they're either going to stick with him and, you know, give him to the end of the season to figure things out. I mean, of course, I think they'll have to stick with him. Of course, you know. Or eventually... They'll have to stick with him, but they're going to get... Are they going to get rid of, you know, another manager? Like, that's not... There's just no patience in football these days. That's, that's very true. Uh, football has become more so of a business. Um, no patience at all, especially with managers. And I think that Mourinho just needs a bit more time. And Roma also needs to cut their losses with, you know, deadweight players that just aren't working for their system. You know, cut out the players who are there that you're not going to use and don't really work for the system that Mourinho is trying to build. And then from then on, you just you need to build and you have to have consistency and you build confidence in your team. And, you know, a lot of these players on Roma are young. There are some veterans, but most of them are young. There's some good squad there to work with, especially attacking-wise. Yeah, for sure. You know, Jordan Veritude is always well. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan might be old, but he still has something in him. Tommy Abraham is definitely a talented striker. He'll be up and coming for the ranks for the next five years, you know. So they have stuff to work with. You know, Zaniolo's still there. You know, he, he's kind of fallen out a bit after all the injuries, but he's still there, and there's still room for improvement. So they have stuff to work with. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, Pellegrini has, has done brilliantly under, uh, under, under Mourinho himself. Um, as, as far as the top four go now, Juve all of a sudden, three points behind Atalanta. You think they have an outside shot? I can't, I can't see it happening until they find some consistency. I can't see it happening. They've been teetering and tottering for the past two seasons. Uh, Juve's been coming off of his high horse, and we all know it. And if they can't find consistency, I can't see them, you know, obtaining top four. They also just lost Piazza, who tore his, uh, yeah. Yes, yes, I was going to come to that. That that also happened in the game. Federico Chiesa um, injured it midway in the first half, ACL. Yeah. So that's him done for the entire season now. Yeah. Which is a big, big loss. Amongst other crazy things that we are talking about that didn't happen, sorry, that did happen in this game, the Shiglio scored. The Shiglio scored for the first time since, I don't know, 1974. That's how mad this game was. The Shiglio scored the winner. And all it was that Roma had to deal with was literally balls being being hoofed it in the box, essentially. That's all three of the of the goals that Juve scored in reply when, when Roma went three one uh three one up. It was just balls into the box. That was it. Yeah, and that that just goes to show you how the pandemonium and the chaos it just shows you how Roma actually lost control of the game. When a player like the Shilio is the one who scores the game winner after not having a goal in years, and the same exact type of goal was scored for the past three goals. It just shows you how Roma lost control of this game. They lost their heads. They weren't cool, calm, and collected. They didn't have any confidence. Yeah. I mean, great for the neutrals, bad for Roma. My fear for them is Mourinho was already... I mean, actually, in this game, he was surprisingly... Um, attacking, I think he's because he knew Juve were there for the taking, and they were playing at home. But Roma throughout the season, when I've watched them, have been very standoffish, very play on the counter. My fear is now uh, for Romanisti fans, in in particular, he might drop even further back. You know what I mean? Reno does seem or has become that manager a lot when mm-hmm. something's happened, especially at Man United, when 
things have gotten way, not even way out of control like they did last uh, last night, but a slightly out of control. He's gone, okay, I'm going to change something. And I think that he might go even more defensive now. Yeah, that, that is a possibility. Um, I'm not really sure. You know, I can't really gauge Mourinho. Sometimes he's just, as you know, as they call him, they call him the special one. Sometimes he just does crazy things and he really can't predict them. So we'll see what happens. You know, hopefully he doesn't go more defensive because I don't think that really suits Roma as a team. I think. No, no, of course not. They've got great attacking players. I think Roma. Yeah, I think the way that Roma took the first, you know, 70 minutes of this game was absolutely amazing. They just they just didn't have the gas to close it off. And if they were to continue playing like that, they could definitely climb their way up the table and probably make it into Europa League. Yeah. yeah. Um, amongst other things as well that we missed, Delic got sent off. I forgot about that. Delic got sent off. Roma had a penalty. And from then on, when, when Chesney saved it, you just knew Roma were just not getting back in. Oh, yeah. But Juve would have. This is such a good win for them. After a very turbulent few seasons, they needed a win like this. You could see Chiellini at the end as well with a headband on. You're just thinking, oh, God, like this is... You know what I mean? Like, they love being those evil... They, they love being the pantomime villain. They do. They do. It fits them perfectly. That's when they're, they're, that's when they're at the finest. They know the whole league hates them. No offense to any of their fans. But they know the whole league hates them. When they get into this mode of of being able to be um, loved in being ha- in being hated, this is when they this is when they thrive. It could be a big win for them in terms of uh, a launch pad for the rest of their season. But I do still think that top four might be out of reach. Yeah, definitely. I don't think they're going to achieve top four. Sticking on the topic of chaos, Mohamed Salad is with us. How's it going, Mohamed? You all right? Yo, what's up, man? How's it going? Yeah, I just had a bit of a fall, so um. <laughs> It's kind of, kind of recovering you. Yeah, yeah, you were telling us. You were telling us. I mean, looks. I didn't. I didn't mean to. Like, by the way, Mohammed Salad. When when I messaged you, um, it is your real name, Mohammed Salad. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. I thought that it was a play on, you know, Mohammed Salah. I thought, oh, this guy just loves Mohammed Salah a lot. So. No, my my name is Mohammed and Salad is basically they just both mean prayer. One's in Arabic and one's in Somali. So it's just it's literally just. Yeah, salad and salad. It's just it's the same thing, but with a D instead of the H. Yeah, yeah, of course. Salah means means prayer in in Um, so I was I was I was running for the train, and then it was it was kind of wet today, and then I fell in the gap between the train and the platform. So like half of me was underneath the train, which is really, yeah, it could have could. I mean, the cut is really really deep. I sent you a picture of it, but um. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I'm not I'm not flaking on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is not a nice picture that you sent. Yeah, so um No man, that is dedication. That is dedication. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. But Jesus, between the train and the platform, so like but did the train go off? Like half of me was underneath no 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 no. So basically um the door was still open, so I managed to pull myself up and then get on the train. That's mad. Some Indian, a few, a few people, a few people help me, but there's some Indiana Jones shit just to come on this podcast. That's that's dedication, man. That's dedication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, so my bad, my bad for being late. 
oh no no i think you're okay for even showing up i would have been like that's a wrap for the rest of the day i would have messaged and gone i'm i'm not in a physical state to, to, to talk Syria right now i just fall in between a train now we've been planning this for a while so not like a week or so so uh well you know what let me just get it over and done with but yeah oh i mean over and done with what like it's a chore no 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 i don't mean it like <laughs> i mean i mean obviously yeah no i made it a- I'm joking, man. I'm joking. You, you, you fell off. Yeah, you fell off. Um, what did you call it? A platform or a train to come here. So uh, let's let's talk. Uh, let's talk more more Syria. We'll go to the league leaders who got a good win over Lazio last night. So I mean, two four of the seven sisters played on on uh, on Sunday into Lazio. This was a hard fought win for Inter. Two one. They didn't necessarily play um, absolutely brilliantly. Like they've obviously played a lot better this season. But they did just about enough, I think, to to definitely win the game. Yeah, no, I think I feel like Inter um, have just reached this point um, in football where uh, most teams that win League Two, which is um, you don't have to play your best, you just you you do just about enough to get the result that you need. And um, Lazio played well for um, for quite a few parts. I mean, for 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 a lot for large parts of this, large chunks of this game. But um, Inter just Inter just got it done when it needed to be done. So like, I think in particular, this that there was maybe a, a a section. I think in the first half, Inter were definitely sort of getting their passing game going. I think mm-hmm. maybe they they missed Hakan Chonahoglu in the form that he was in just a little bit. You could see that the Brozovic was dropping dropping deep, and then Barella was dropping deep, and then mm-hmm. Aliardini because he obviously is not an attacking outlet in the middle of the pitch. He was also dropping deep, and then it was sort of well, okay. Um, the fullbacks can go wide, and Martinez and Sanchez were, were dropping as well. But I think in certain areas of the first half, they missed uh, China Hoglu slightly. But having having said that, it, it was uh, a dominant phase of phase of play for it, them. I felt, even, uh, even though even though the goals were slightly lucky, not slightly lucky, but from, from set pieces, it wasn't. I mean, I, I mean, Bastoni, which one? But ba- I mean, Bastoni's never scoring that ever again. Like, hey. You leave Lissandro alone. We love Bastoni here. No, I, I think he's one of the best young centre-backs in the world. I rate him higher than Lick. Oh, Barnan. Barnan, yeah. Like, I, think, I, think, I, think he's, I think he's the best young Same. centre-back in the world. Barnan. Like, even though Delic's very, very highly rated, I rate him higher than... Easily, yeah, easily. Sorry, Delic, if you're listening. Delic, in my personal opinion. So, I mean, what, right now? Right now? Easily. I don't know about easily. I don't know. I don't know about that, but... Uh, <laughs> No, no, no! Right now, he he's better. He's definitely better. But um, but I just you don't associate thirty-yard streamers with with Bastoni. He's he's an incredible centre back, good on the ball, but just not, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. So so there's that, and then the second goal from the set piece. So again, I mean, that's what champions do. They don't um, they don't need to necessarily play amazing to win every single game, even against the big, even against the big ish team. Having said that, I think. There was only a few moments for Lazio uh, when, when they looked attacking in the second half, in particular when they. I mean, even their goal was really, really lucky too. I mean, Handanovic was—I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, Handanovic pretending to be Superman. I, I really didn't understand that. It was a misunderstanding between the Ryan Skriniar goes over the top. Handanovic, for whatever reason, punches the ball as if Mobile is close to him. Mobile using his guile, Handanovic misses the ball, and uh, of course from there. Um, Bast- an- another goal from from a set piece for Inter. They have tall players, all physical players, 
but they're capable of a good cross. Bastoni with a cross and a goal, which we touched upon earlier, he's he's better than Delict. I think there isn't. I've never seen, or this season at least, a better centre back that attacks so well as well. I, I love when he overlaps, but in terms of what he's doing up front as well as as in defence for Inter is, is special at the moment. We've we've spoken about. We've spoken at length about Bastoni on this uh, on this podcast, but um, I, I just wanted to mention it again. Do you, do you watch Koulibaly or what do you mean? Do I watch Koulibaly? Of course I do, but I, I'm talking about young, young like Koulibaly's. Koulibaly's been around for time. Uh, no, of course. Yeah, no, of course, of course. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just pulling your leg, pulling your leg. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Yeah, well, let's not make too many leg jokes with with what happened to you. But uh... oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, I mean, no, what what do you think of uh, of Inter's win last night? Uh, I I kind of already knew what was going to happen in this game. I felt like Inter were going to score uh, two goals, and I felt like Lazio was going to get at least one goal in this game. And I knew that Ciro Mobile would step up and be that goal scorer. I thought that uh, Inter, as you said, didn't really play the best. But when you're the champions of Italy, you know and you have that championship DNA, as, you know, champions say, you don't need to play your best every game to get the result. Just all about, you know, you getting the result. And that's what they did, you know. Bastoni scored a streamer. You know, the goal that Lazio scored was lucky. You know, Inter's defense was just scrambling at that point. But they managed to do what they needed to do to get the win. They got three points, and that's all that matters because they're, they're definitely contending for the Scudetto once again. Definitely, yeah. They're the team to beat. Um, also, shout out to Alexis Sanchez, who was fantastic last night. It's so so good to see a player who used to be so brilliant when he was uh, in the not in the year of his career, but towards his end, the end of the time uh, at Arsenal, and then obviously at Man United when you get reports of him being grumpy and stuff. But he was brilliant uh, last night. His older play for someone so small is is brilliant, and him and Lotaro work so well. And this is the other thing that we've mentioned as well. To have by far, I think the best squad built to to, to go for the Scudetto. Yeah, I think Inter do have the best squad to win the Scudetto only because you know when you look at this squad last year and the squad this year, they only lost Lukaku and Hakimi. Everybody else that they had last year is still on that team. You know they brought in a couple people like Jeko and Dumfries, but. The core of that squad is still there, so most of what they're doing is still the same, the same people, the same places. You know, they know what they want. They know how last season went. They know what to expect. So just having that continuity in the team, you know, really helps for them pushing for the Scudetto this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, when when they lost to Kakuna Kimi, everybody thought they were in the shitter. But Bebe Mrota and Inzaghi in particular have done a great job. It was an interesting quote that I found from, from Milan Skriniar yesterday when he said that um, Zaghi seems more like our friend. He laughs with us, he jokes with us while training us. Conte did the same only after we won Scudetto. So, <laughs> which you know, I don't, I don't doubt coming from a manager like Antonio Conte. Yeah, for sure. You know, every manager has a different approach and I guess Zaghi is more so your colleague, even though he's your your coach and your manager, you know, but you know, Antonio Conte is kind of that hard ass in soccer. Like, you got to do this, you got to do that. 
you know, get in your face and scream at you, you know? Every manager has a different approach. Yeah, love it. That man must eat streptals every single day. He's always, in the interviews when you see him, he's lost his voice. The, the entire game, like I've been watching Tottenham games and stuff, he's just screaming. Like the whole time, he's just screaming. Uh, and, uh, no, another note on, on managers being angry. I thought it was funny when, at the end of the first half, Inter got the corner. But because the time had expired, they, they weren't allowed to take it. So it just sort of went to Inzaghi's, you know, the camera panned to Inzaghi's face. And he was just sort of swearing. As he put his coat on, just fuming as I feel. Just, oh God! Um, but but Inter got a good win. Both both Rome clubs now, after promising appointments of Mourinho and Sarri in the summer, both of them now lie thirty two points. Both stuck on thirty two points and nine points behind fourth. Mm. It, it's interesting, really. Um, I thought I thought Roma would be, especially after the start they had. I mean, both of them started really really well this season. Both of them started um really well, but I did I did think um Roma would be much closer to being a top four team than they than they turned out to be, especially with the signing of Tammy Abraham and uh, Mourinho bringing in some players that he wants, Daniolo coming back as as um, Miguel mentioned beforehand. <laughs> so um I thought I I expected more of Roma personally. So I don't know where it's gone wrong, um or maybe it's just a testament to to the to the. Three and four, three, the, the four teams now at the moment playing at such a high level. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like they they won't be looking for the for the rum clubs now after after a lot of optimism in the summer. You know, personally, I didn't think either of the rum clubs would be able to achieve top four. And I just think that Roma just don't have enough firepower for that yet. Like they're almost there, but they don't have enough firepower. Like for example, you know. Tammy Abraham goes down, what happens? Ro- Roma is screwed, you know? Same thing with Lazio. Immobile gets injured, they're screwed, you know? They don't have enough. And it's the same goes for some of the teams in the top four race, like Milan, you know? If Latin goes down, you know, there's, there's that bit of not enough, you know, depth. But personally, I knew that Roma and Lazio weren't going to be in the top four running. I just thought because I just thought because Mourinho and how and how highly I think of Mourinho, I, I think, thought um, he would use what he's got to his advantage, and yeah. um, he could get them and galvanize them to uh, and inspire them to uh, pick up some results that you wouldn't expect to pick up. For sure, but we've got. I think we've just got to, unfortunately and reluctantly, bow away from the Mourinho train. <laughs> he's gone, man. He's gone. The uh, the downfall is real. Mm-hmm. I think he's got one more big contract in him and then he's going to go to like China and stuff. Uh, I'd like to see him just manage the Portugal team. Maybe that. Uh, I would love to see that. But I really just really just complete his full character arc, you know? But, um, it, but it's I feel just like he stuff. won't while Ronaldo's there. I feel like him and Ronaldo, <laughs> I feel like him and Ronaldo, it just won't work. I feel like still Ronaldo, I feel like that's where his career is headed. I'm almost certain he'll get the Portugal job, but just not while Ronaldo's there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just stuck. I, I thought that it would be him and Guardiola wrestling for the biggest trophies in the world till till they till they turned out. But it's just it's amazing to think how how far he's actually fallen. When Pep wins, it's because Guardiola's it's, sorry. It's because Guardiola's adapted, to, but Mourinho yeah. still stuck in the two thousand and four Chelsea ways. Like he's yeah. he's so he's so um stubborn in his ways that he's like live by the sword, die by the sword, and in his case. I mean, his sword is playing the way he plays. 
Whereas Pep Guardiola's adapted. He went to um, Bayern Munich. He he didn't change much in Bayern Munich. He adapted to Bayern Munich. He came to Man City. He bought his players, the guys that he wanted, and he's adapted. Whereas Mourinho, he his style of play has not changed over the last two decades. I think it it's yeah it's the it's also dealing with players not in this generation as in. I think you need a bit of a velvet glove with with this sort of generation of players now. It's not a not a massive kick up the arse or like a Roy Keane of like a do better. I'm gonna punch you in the face. It's um you know you have to understand this generation a bit more. Again, he was he was saying the players' mentalities are weak, which which invites dressing room mutiny and um he, he's just become more grumpier and more grumpier and and players and like less and less. Um, I think. In previous times before Roma, Tottenham and Man United have imploded. But you're absolutely right; it's the tactics mainly. He's, uh, he, I think he's just he's the game has moved on now. It's had an incre- incredible tactical revolution. Guardiola has, has changed football. Everybody wants to play from the back. Everybody wants to play attacking. And Mourinho has, like you said, he's he's been stuck in his ways essentially. Um, I, I disagree with Miguel. I I do think that Roma have good firepower. Ami Abraham, Shumura Dog, Pellegrini, Mikateri, and El Shirawi. It's more their defense. Like we saw against Juve, they just conceded four goals on, on a win. Their defense was, is not, was not good enough. Miguel, quick take on, on Sari, Lazio. Where do you think they'll finish the season? How do you think it's going? Yeah, a uh, quick word on Sari and Lazio. I think Sari and Lazio really just, they really just need time to truly gel into the way that uh, Sari wants his team to play, you know, as they say, body ball, whatever. But um, I think that, you know, Lazio will finish seventh in the table. I don't see them climbing up anywhere too high where, you know, they're getting into top four or anything. I think that the players that he have, he has available to him are doing well. But sometimes it seems like Lazio just don't have enough confidence in themselves or, you know, they just don't believe in themselves. Something something is, is off in that camp, you know. This is a team who made it into the Champions League two seasons ago, and now they they just fall. They've had that falling grace, you know. Um, I think they just need time. They really just need another season. And I think that maybe next season, once, once they and they got they get that team chemistry and they truly understand sorry ball I think that they could actually do some damage and actually you know try to compete for top four next season but this season it's not happening they just have to I don't think sorry ball too much is their problem attacking wise they're fine Pedro for example has has flourished massively under sorry Immobile is still leading the charge brilliantly but they've conceded 39 goals. They've conceded the same amount of goals as Genoa, who are 19. It's it's very, very salient to me that obviously the conceding goals is the problem for Sari. Yeah, that's, that's very apparent. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, Aturbi is, is done now. I think I think that, you know, Aturbi has played his role and now we're starting to see the downfall of Aturbi. So, Maybe they just need to reinvest in their defense and try to figure things out because conceding the same amount of goals as you know is just unacceptable for a team that's, you know, in the top half of the table. And yeah, you're right. You know, 
Lazio concedes a lot of goals, you know, drawing 3-3 to Empoli, you know, losing uh, 2-0 to Milan, 3-0 to whoever. It's, it's just not a good look for a team like them. So they do need to clean up their defense. As you mentioned, yeah, their attack is pretty fine. You know, Kuro Immobile and Pedro have been flourishing under Sarri. So I think, like I said, I personally just think that they just need another year to get that chemistry and that confidence. It's just, the season just doesn't look like their best season. Yeah, looking uh, looking a bit bleak for the Rome clubs. Going off uh, from the league leaders into the second place, Milan picking up a nice routine win at Venezia. So I, I love, I, there's a video going around of their fans coming into shore at, at Venice on a boat, and it's just... There's fireworks going off. It, it looks like a pirate ship, and they're and they're coming in. It's brilliant, um, because that's how how teams have, have come into to Venice to, to play Venezia by by boat, obviously. But routine win for Milan. I think one of the most important things for me about Milan right now is they're getting their players back. But Theo Hernandez looks brilliant again. This was all about Theo Hernandez this game. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Theo Hernandez has been. The talk of City off for quite some time now. Uh, a lot of people are arguing if he's the best left back in the, the world. He's in that. He's in that category with. Uh, I thought he was in the bracket last year. Definitely yeah, last year. Definitely in that conversation with Alfonso Davies. Um, but De Hernandez is just he. He's turned it up a notch ever since the last couple of games, and it's brilliant because. Yoli and Maldini always talk about it. You know, they always expect greatness from their players. And this is a guy who, you know, with playing at Real Madrid, you know, has a Champions League winner's medal. And Real Madrid was just like, you're not good enough. You know, you can't re- you can't replace Marcelo. And Paulo Maldini saw that opportunity and he said, hey, come to Milan and we'll make you, we'll make you a legend like how I was. I am a legend at Milan. And you know, Sir Hernandez had a rough, I wouldn't say the roughest beginning into City A, but his defensive, you know, output for Milan wasn't the greatest. Not the greatest. It's still not the greatest, but um, but it's better. It's pretty better. And it's, yeah, but there's been improvement. Exactly. There's been... Yes, there's a significant improvement there, but I, I think Leao and Hernandez on that side. Unstoppable. So so important for, for 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 Milan. They've been Leao, especially when he was leaving. He was in the form of his life. He was one of the best players in the league. Milan are finally getting a couple of their players back from injury. With that in tow, temporary. Venice and Pessi are, are, are at Afcon, obviously. Um, but Gabi and Kalulu are the centre back partnership. But this is this is um, of course. But this has been, I think, a very Typical trait of Pioli's Milan in the last few years, when you've had so many injuries, you become sort of this this cornered tiger of we are up against it, but, but we're going to survive. We're going to get past it somehow. And Pioli and Milan are just used to that. Yeah, you, we've been dealing with injuries for the past three seasons since Pioli stepped into the role as coach of Milan, and we're used to it. You know, it's come to a point where players just know that when they're called upon, it's their time to shine. And I think every player that has been called upon has done their duty in the correct manner. They, they've they done everything that they've been asked for. Like, even Prunet, when he comes onto the pitch and he gets playing time, 
He does what he's been asked to do on the pitch. And even though we've lost Simon Pierre because, you know, he's had an injury that's ruled him out for the rest of the season, Milan have found ways to get the results and keep playing at a high intensity level with all these injuries. Yeah, for sure. I I do think that it will be between the Milano clubs for Scudetto. I, I think Milan can push them pretty much all the way. But yeah. I, I would say this to Milanese fans, two, three years ago when yeah. it was sort of Bante errors and Pioli was coming in, you wouldn't have, like, just appreciate the fact that this is a routine win for you now. You know what I mean? And it's and it's becoming more of a regularity. You expect to win these games. For sure. You know, a couple of years ago, a game like this would be 50-50. Things went good, man. Things went good. Milan fans, remember Montella. All right? Remember Gianpaoli. Those were not good times. <laughs> Terrible times. I don't even want to remember those times, to be honest. Well, I'm making you remember him. Remember Gianpaoli. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, it's... Sorry, Gianpaolo, I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, Gianpaolo. Oh, that guy. Terrible. But it, it just shows you how much, you know, consistency in football can go a long way. You know, Pioli was someone who was supposed to be a caretaker of the club, and then we we're supposed to go in for a big manager. But management realized, you know, hey, this guy's actually, he's getting results. He's, he's making these players do things that these players didn't do before he came here. And let's give him a chance. Let's give him a contract. Let's give him a contract. He, he, had, he obtained top four, comes in second place in the city. Yeah. We haven't come in second place since the last time, the uh, 2011 2012, and that was when Juve won their first Scudetto of their nine, Scudetti. Um, so I'm telling you, man, consistency in football is key sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the time, no? <laughs> yeah, consistency and, and patience. Not sometimes, all the time, Miguel. <laughs> that's, that's true, that's true. Moving on to Spalletti's Napoli, a 1-0 win against Sampdoria, and a Patania overhead kick. Everybody see this? Yes, sir, absolutely. I knew he had it in him. Yes, I knew I knew he had it in him. <laughs> Did you, though? Did you? I'm not, I'll be honest, I tweeted before the game, I was like, I see Patania scoring two goals today. Obviously, I was wrong with that. You did not say that. I, you did not say that. I promise you, I said, I want to see Patania. I, I said he's going to get two goals and an assist, actually. I'm one of the very few Napoli fans who still believe in Patania. Wow. I still think he's a pretty decent player. Wow. No, man, you're lying. You're what? What? Because he scores an overhead kick. You're his biggest fan. We see you, man. We see you. Don't chat, oh, man. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not his biggest fan, but um, yes. I still think he can contribute something. You know, like he's 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 not Austin men in the slightest. But I feel like with him, it's a confidence That's issue. True. You don't score 17 goals for style. And not be good, you know. Like I feel like I feel like the pretty. Yeah, but there's a big difference. No, I get it, but I'm saying like he's got something. He's not terrible. He's not as bad as people make it out to be. That's 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 what I'm saying. I feel like with confidence. I feel like with confidence, he can contribute. There's a big mm. difference between scoring 17 goals for Spal and scoring goals for Napoli. No, of course, but but the way people make him out, like 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 he's terrible. He's not. He's he's a pretty decent player. He, it's just he doesn't suit Napoli style. He's like, I mean, we play kind of fluid attacking football. He's not that guy. Yeah. So, but anyway, enough, enough about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, uh, great goal, good win for Napoli. Did you did you watch the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm just asking. 
course I watch the game. Of course I watch the game. Love players out in Napoli currently. Um, no Koulibaly, no Fabian Rui, no Victor Ossiman. Um, a lot of players. I think um, seven of our first team are out. Koulibaly, Fabian Ruiz, Victor Ossiman, Zielinski, Fabian Ruiz, um, uh, Mario Rui as well. Uh, so that's... Did... I, I, no, no, he didn't go off. Sorry, my bad. I was going to say Di Lorenzo was injured during the game, but he didn't go off. Um, yes, Axel Twenzibe got uh, his first minutes as well. No, and Di Lorenzo played. Yes. He came He came in for the first 10 minutes, of the, the last 10 minutes of the game, sorry. Um, pretty comfortable. We didn't have much to do with it. It was a pretty comfortable result for Nasty yesterday. Um yeah, I mean, Sampdoria really didn't... I, I know Gandrava was out, so he's like their main attacking outlet when he plays, but he wasn't playing. Um, having said, with all the injuries that you have, I think games like this make me realise that your squad is... Your squad depth is actually good. Like, that's a good squad. To, that's a good team to put out, even with your injuries. But um, I do feel like we've got a pretty, pretty good squad. Our second eleven is is quite good. So we've got a pretty decent squad. It's just... Um, <laughs> At times, Nasty get complacent and the passive, and games that we should win, we don't. It was yeah, it was Empoli Spezia. Yeah. There was like a, there was like a series of about there was a, there was a, there was a period of about three games. I think it was Empoli Spezia and someone else, and yeah. we didn't win a single game. We were two 0 up against Sassuolo. Yeah, we were two 0 up against Sassuolo, and they scored. They scored in the. I mean, they came back two two. They scored in the ninety first minute. We've dropped some really, really silly points. I think there's been significant improvements on last year, though. Absolutely, absolutely. But at the same, but at the same time, um, we had this many injuries last time as well. Mm-hmm. Like, if mm-hmm. you look at if you look at Gattuso's record last year, um, his his like from January to the end of the season, the only team that picked up more points than us were Inter Milan. Yeah. We were like, yeah. we were like 11, there was a point where we were 11 points off the top four and we went to the last game of the season knowing that a win gets them to the top four. Yeah. Which we bought. Yeah. But, um, it, is, it is a significant improvement. There's a lot there's a lot more consistency. We're a lot more solid defensively as well. We've got one of the best, or if not the best, um, defensive record in the league. There was a point where Napoli conceded the least goals in Europe. Yes, yeah. I'm also watching every game now. With an eye on the fact that it's Lorenzo Insigne's farewell tour, um, very sad. Very sad, to be honest. Uh, I, I get why he's leaving. I get why he's leaving, but he's he, he's. I think outside of the t- sort of my own club, which is Man United, he's he's my favorite player in the world to to watch as a free roamer. Against Juve midweek, it was a pleasure to watch him. He is so difficult to pick up. He's. I think, for instance, De Bruyne and Fernandez are like. Two players that you see that pick up the ball frequently from wherever on the pitch. Insignia does exactly the same thing for Napoli, but he he's been such a staple of of everything Napoli Football Club has been for the last few years. Um, I think I think he a lot of Napoli fans are upset that he's leaving and this and that. I'm I'm happy for him. I feel like he deserves to end this career making a lot of money. I'm very I'm very happy for him. Oh no, I'm. I'm very happy for him, but I'm I'm sad that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna see him play in the in in Serie A. 
as often, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's a decision that's been made. Uh, speaking to Mancini and knowing that uh, he'll he'll have his he'll have a place in Italy, uh, provided that he's healthy and stuff like that. Um, but I'm very very happy for him. He's gonna make more money in the next five years than he has in his entire career at Napoli. Um, they're gonna be yeah. they're gonna be paying him about what 400k a week until he's 36, 37 years old. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's absolutely a no-brainer. And he's going to be 31 by the time he goes. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I wanted him to, to play for Napoli forever, really. Because he's not, he's going to go to that league and tear it up. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Like, he's still playing absolutely fantastic. <laughs> oh, no, of course, of course. And that's just his contract money. Imagine all the sponsors he's going to get. Because in Canada, I mean, there's like, what, one or two teams in Canada? He's gonna be the face of the entire. He's gonna be the face of the entire MLS. I know. I um, I can see him playing there for one or two years and then going. Actually, this is boring. This is boring me. I'm I'm too good for this. And going for another move in in Europe. I I think because surely he's he's at such a high level. He's just he's a player who's just won the Euros and who had significant contribution to that Italy team. He's still playing at a very, very high level. He's still at, um, I was tweeting the other day, like, after Koulibaly, he's seeing his most important player. He's the player that we rely on the most. Everything we do well going forward comes from Insigne. All the passes, all the dribbles, the plays he takes out of the game, the cross-field passes, everything good that we do in attack comes from Lorenzo Insigne. So replacing him is going to be absolutely, it's going to be a myth. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Oh, he's still playing at a very, very high level. And when Insigne doesn't play, you notice it. Because Napoli don't create as many chances. I agree with that. Yeah. So even though he's not scored that many goals this year, and his um his box score isn't as impressive as it was last year, where he scored almost twenty goals and almost ten assists, uh, everything positive that we do comes from his left hand side and him beating a player, putting a cross in, beating a player, getting a shot in, or one way or another. Even if he's not directly involved, his movement alone creates chances for Napoli. Vision of the choir, man. I've been saying that for uh, for years, really. But I do predict him getting a little bit bored of of smashing the MLS uh, every every two mm-hmm. weeks or, or every week, and possibly getting a move back. To be honest, no. But I mean, that kind of money is is generational money. Like he's making what almost a hundred million in the next five and a half years of his life. I mean, no matter how bored you are, you're. I mean, and he's getting old as well. Oh no! I feel like he he'd get bullied. Mm. Yeah, Leicester City would would work for him, but I feel like Insigne would get bullied mm. in, in the Premier League, like just the physicality. I mean, sure, but like the like these these athletes are competitors, and and they That's go true. to work every day. Mm-hmm. Even if you, I mean, not not everybody. Like, think of me and you, for example. If if we do a job that's there's good money, but we get bored of it, like surely it's not yeah, it's not yeah. everything. Especially in in professional football, when you're already going to be a millionaire, so I do see him either moving swiftly on from from Toronto or coming back to Napoli. I mean, we'll, we'll 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 see. I don't see him playing anywhere else in Europe, or nowhere else in Italy anyway. I, I would I would have liked to see him in the Premier League. Sir. I would have liked to see him in the Premier League. Yes, I would have loved to have seen him in the Premier League. Maybe I'd like a Leicester City or something. I don't, but the thing is, um, I mean, you say that, but I mean, he's the smallest person in Serie A as well, you know. You think? And and he's, he's one of those players that's just so technically gifted. 
that um you can't you can't even get near him to the point where your physicality means anything, you know. So um, like you see him, you see I mean Delict and Bonucci and Chiellini are the, some of the most physical players in the world. You see you see him go through them like nothing on a regular basis. So uh, I mean I mean I do see it because the Premier League is the Premier League is is a much more physical league. But um, I feel like Insigne wouldn't have an issue. I wanted to see him go to Tottenham actually, because Conte is there and Conte and Conte Conte did Conte does like him and I would have wanted him. So um, I would have that. Would have loved that. <laughs> Especially with uh, apparently I don't think Conte likes Ndombele very much, but hey ho, we still we still might be able to see it. Let's uh, let's see. But um, yes, we we wish uh, Lorenzo Insigne very very well if. Of course, he is listening, but I'm going to miss watching him in Syria. Massive, massive uh, week for Salernitana, the bottom club in, in Syria this week. They found an owner, so they don't have to go down. Not only that, but they got a massive, massive three points over Hellas Verona. Um, beating him at, away as well, which, which uh, I think gave them a massive boost. Spezia as well picked up a massive three points against Genoa in a, sort of a, a bottom-of-the-table clash. It's looking pretty tight at the bottom. I don't think anybody from, I think, maybe Spezia downwards. Spezia, eight points from Salernitana. Obviously, Salernitana have a couple of games at hand now. Um, I don't think anybody's safe from, from, from 16 downwards. Who do you think is going down, Miguel? I think the three teams that are currently in the down zone are the ones that are going to go. I think Cagliari, Genoa, and Salernitana are going to go back to City of B because I just don't see Ayari and Genoa turning it around. You know, these are teams who Genoa only has one win and they have a bunch of draws and the rest of the losses. Uh, Ayari just, they, they, they're struggling. Yeah. Nine, nine draws for Genoa. Nine draws. Yeah, they're just struggling. Um, and Salonitana, you know, they come to play as they did come to play at Verona yesterday. But I just don't think with the position that they're in all the way at the bottom with just 11 points, I just don't think they can dig themselves out. They're going to have to pull some massive results within the end of the calendar year to be able to get out of that relegation zone. I think Betsy and Venezia are a bit safer. Those are teams who have shown us that, you know, they can pull off the big upsets. Like, Betsy beat Milan last season. They beat Juve. Um, Venezia, on the other hand, also they they've pulled massive results. I'm not sure if they they beat Napoli or one of the top four teams, but I think those two teams are kind of your wild card who can show that hey, we're here to fight, even though we may not have the strongest squad. We're here to fight any day for a result. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I'd hate to see Matthias Distro with Genoa go down, and I'd hate to see João Pedro go down with Cagliari, but I'm not sure if Calgary in particular can be pulled out. It, it's um, it, it's apparent to me that Spezia and Venezia have come in and played sort of good, flowing football, um, and, and Calgary and Genoa are still the teams that predominantly park the bus, and it's not really working for them. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And you also think about it, you know, Spezia and Venezia are like the two teams, like, you know, they're, they're playing good football, but they also have some type of confidence to them. Like, whenever they step on the pitch, they're there to compete. Even if they feel like they're going to lose, 
they're there to compete. Like even when they played at Milan, yeah, they conceded they conceded an early goal, but they still competed in that game. You know, they didn't they didn't just let Milan win easily. Yes, they did, yeah. I think that's the especially when you're at the bottom, but fighting to not lose games and fighting to be in a game where you can maybe get to 75 mm-hmm. minutes and still be in it, is that there's a big difference. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think Cagliari in Genoa are playing to not lose, whereas Spezia and Venezia as as uh, sort of set up to be, to have the chance to, for an opportune win or have the chance to steal points, basically. They're not already, from, from minute one, they're not already defending what they have, which was which would be a draw. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, relegation battle at the bottom. Miguel, Mohamed, thanks so much for joining me for uh, this episode of episode five of Very Derogory for, for BTL, breaking the line. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hope your leg gets better. Thank you so much. No problem whatsoever. That's uh, all we have time for this week on ADR. Thanks very much for listening. Please join us next week.